There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast. Exclusively on the Herd App Media Network. Tell it to me straight up. Hello, and welcome into the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast, proudly part of the Hill Varsity Network. I am Greg Smith. You are, I very much regret doing 50 minutes of legwork this morning, friend. Um, today, I am joined by a special guest, staff writer for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Carmen Vitale. Carmen, thank you for being on the show. First of all, how are you? I'm doing very well, Greg. Nice to see you. Good to see you. I haven't talked to you for a while, um, so I'm very happy to talk to you. Excited. I promise you guys that I do not go out of my way to only have people that like the Bears on the show. Um, (laughs) I feel like I'm on a nice roll. Either the last few weeks, either you have to either like the Bears or be a Peloton enthusiast to be on the show, it feels like, because we've been hitting those boxes uh, repeatedly, so... Yeah. So do you, uh, I'm going to have to then ask a Peloton question because I mentioned it in the intro, Like, do you do the strength workouts or do you just do the bike? I know you cycle. Um, I have gotten more into the strength workouts since I've been vaccinated and have felt comfortable going down to my gym because I didn't have weights in my apartment. So, but my, my apartment gym, my complex gym has them. So now that I'm vaccinated, I'm more relaxed I'm back and relaxed. So we're going down to the gym. I just started doing a lot more of the strength workouts, but I really like the bike boot camps. Yeah, the, oh, I think I have told people, anybody that has done this, you guys feel this pain. I think the bike boot camps are the hardest thing on the platform. Like I'm so hard. Yeah. Like I, I, and it's funny because I had done like the first couple with tune day. If you guys are familiar with it, I talked about it before on the show, like, and I'm like, Oh, this is really hard. And then I did one with someone else. And I was like, Oh, this is really hard. Like I've done them with everyone that teaches them and they're all very yeah. hard. They are. Yeah. And I actually, when I was going to, before I got my pills on, I was going to a gym it was a cycle studio, but it was also, they had circuit training and they had a bunch of other stuff. So they used to have these blend classes mm. where you would go in and you would do half of it would be a strength workout. And then you would go and do like a half class of spin. And I loved those because they were so difficult, but you felt like you had such a good workout afterwards because yep. it just got everything within an hour. So I really like the boot camps because the boot camps, like, I mean, I don't think I've taken a longer one. I haven't taken a 60 minute one. I've taken oh, you like got to do it. 40. <laughs> I've done 45 minutes and I'm like, oh, okay, we're working uh, up to 60 minutes. <laughs> yeah, the 60 minute ones are no joke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's definitely an efficient workout. Um, now each week we have a couple of segments that are mainstays of the show. The first one is called Coach Speak, where we go over something that a coach, player, or talking head said, and then we give you the straight up breakdown of what they meant. Coach Speak to Real Talk. Um, now this week comes courtesy of Chicago Bears head coach Matt Nagy, who has been asked like repeatedly about what the plan is, and rightfully so, what the plan is for Justin Fields after they traded up to get him. Um, and everybody assumes that he is the quarterback of the future. That's why you do that kind of make that kind of move. So he's been asked, what's the plan? So he said he had this to say about that. Quote, the key is making sure that he's getting reps, where he's getting them, how he's getting them, and where the extra work is coming in, the film study, et cetera. Now, Carmen, you work in the league with the Bucks, but you're also native Chicagoan and longtime Bears sufferer. Um, so what does he really mean when he says that? 
Um, I think he just doesn't want to. I mean, how long ago was it that the Bears said that Andy Dalton was QB1? Oh, my God. It so wasn't that long ago. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. So he can't straight out, like, come out and say, hey, listen, we're going to start this kid as soon as possible. But I also think that there is something to wanting to let him kind of ease in as much as possible. I mean, you have Andy Dalton for a reason. I don't think that he's obviously the savior of the franchise. But if Justin Fields really is your quarterback of the future, you want to kind of temper the immediate expectations, which I think is what he's trying to do. Yeah, I think that that is, I think that's a good point. Cause I think that that's a smart thing to do because also knowing the bears history of quarterbacks and or lack thereof, or lack thereof <laughs> correct. Um, and knowing that if you, if how you saw it, like Justin Fields made the rounds of course on all like Chicago media and they were just straight out asking him about like the history or lack thereof of bears quarterbacks. And if he felt the pressure of that, and it kind of made me like, I just did it. Like you guys can't see this carbon can. Like I just tensed up at even the thought of it because it's a lot like he literally had just signed the contract and he was already being having the weight of all of the like horrible history of Chicago quarterbacks placed on his shoulders. Um, so on one hand, I do totally understand the need, especially from the coach's point of view, to want to ease him in slowly, to try and make sure that you're not throwing him to the wolves before he's actually ready. Now, fans of the team are not going to want to hear that. Like that is not <laughs> like you never want to hear that as a fan. Um, but at the same time, like this is really, we've seen this go both ways, right? Like we've seen it work out where guys sit, i.e. Patrick Mahomes. We've seen even going to Pey- Peyton Manning about guys getting thrown in and kind of taking their lumps and then going. Like I still go back and forth on whether or not I actually think one is better than the other. It just really depends on the situation. Yeah. And I mean, I think also Bears fans have waited this long. What's another, even if it's another season, what's another season? Like (laughs) you've got, you have it again, like if he really is, you got to think long-term with this kid and what is going to be best for him, you know, to kind of mesh into the franchise too. And the only thing that is interesting though, is because you have to think that Matt Nagy's kind of on a short leash this year. Um, So he wants to prove that he made the right decision right away. So that's kind of, contradictory to letting Justin Fields ease in but I think that at least publicly you definitely want Justin Fields to not feel the pressure because he's going to get it from everywhere else uh you might as well not get it from his coach right (laughs) publicly Publicly, at least yeah and I do wonder about that about the short leash because on like you could say that, hey, because they made this move and now they have what they think is the quarterback of the future, maybe that buys him and Ryan Pace an additional year or two. So maybe that gives them kind of a built-in excuse. But then, and that might be true. But on the other hand, you have this defense that how much longer are they going to be able to perform at the level that they did at least two years ago, kind of injury situation last year. Um, But how much longer are they going to be able to hold up doing that? And really the big question is, is how many more peak years of Khalil Mack are you going to essentially waste while waiting on Justin Fields to become what you think he can become? Yeah. And you've also got like a guys like Allen Robinson on the offense where, you know, he's from what I understand playing on the tag, are going to play on the tag this year. Um, you're going to need to get something done with him long term, and I have to think that if he like if you're going to try and get him to stay um, and not test free agency and do all that kind of stuff, you you need to have a plan for that offense. <laughs> uh, so that's going to be another interesting, I think, dynamic and component to what they end up doing or how 
but Chicago fans, myself included, when I was growing up, uh, are not patient, which can be to the detriment of the franchise too. I mean, that's what I kind of keep rationalizing to myself when you think about the whole Patrick Mahomes, like could have had Patrick Mahomes over Trubisky, oh, okay. could have had Deshaun Watson, although we know that that didn't turn out quite as well. Right. Um, but I, I keep thinking, well, Mahomes would have had to have started right away in Chicago. And would he be, you know, where he's at now? I think that this his talent would have always come out eventually, right. but would he have been stunted in any way by having immediate expectations on him? And I think that's the case study for Justin Fields right now. Yeah, Matt, Matt Nagy was, what, part of that staff in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes right. deal as well. So he also has seen that template. The only, the I, but the big difference there, this is what, what makes this really interesting, is everything about this has, like, on one hand, I can see this, but on the other, eh, because, yeah, Matt Nagy has seen this and saw it work with Patrick Mahomes, but he also does not have the clout that Andy Reid had in Kansas City, right? And so when you go back to what you were saying earlier about him being on a shorter leash this year and people were, myself included, ready to run this dude out of town coming into this draft, then right. does he really have that time to be able to do that? It just, all in all, though, it just has to work. Right. Like right. it's, it's right. easier said than done. But no matter how it goes and how they do it, if it works, then it works and people are very happy with it. If it doesn't, then it really is the end of the road for both the GM and the coach. And then they'll be looking for whoever else is the hot flavor of the month to come in. Absolutely. Which also there's a tie. This is a good segue because the coach that I actually wanted the Bears to hire is the coach that you work with. Um, and so I have, and usually I don't think I've done it this way where I have questions for the guest. Usually we have like a conversation of something that's actually happening, but I just have a million questions about <laughs> like this past year for you and what this was like. Okay. So I'm going to yeah. start here with kind of the big picture. Let's break that down. Like the last year of getting Tom Brady, and then ultimately winning the Super Bowl. How would you kind of describe that ride and what that was like over the last year in a pandemic? Yeah, well, that's the key is in a pandemic. So I can't really speak to what this would have been like, you know, in any other way. I do feel like it was a little bit muted um, because right. just of the way things were you know, organized and uh, we weren't allowed around the team as much as we usually are, um, wasn't, you know, so I didn't travel to away games like I usually do. Uh, we had to kind of make a lot of concessions and, and use a lot of resources that we hadn't tapped into before to make it all happen. Um, but we did, and it was a hundred percent better than the alternative. But I mean, even from the very moment we got honest. Okay. So I'll take you back to like, when I first under, like kind of thought that Brady was a possibility mm. and I'm hearing the rumors and I was like, what? Like I was a disbelieving, but then I started to actually think about this team and how it was set up. And I realized I kind of started to talk myself into it. I was like, well, the defense really like a lot, like more improved, you know, got Todd Bowles as defensive coordinator. Um, they're starting to mesh and they've got, they've always had talent on that side of the ball. And finally you're getting to see it. And then I was like, offensively, I mean, the weapons that anybody's like any quarterback would be coming into. You got two Pro Bowl receivers and Mike Ed, Ed Evans and Chris Godwin. You got a host of depth at all the skill positions. And so I'm like, this is a really good like landing spot for someone that wants to win now. I really do think that we are one player away. That player may be like, like a very crucial player on the field. <laughs> right. And it may be Tom Brady, but 
we were only one player away. The Bucks were only one player away. And I think a lot of franchises like to think that they are. But the more I looked at it, I was like, the Bucks really are one player away. So when it actually happened, I, I again wanted to temper my expectations, though, because I was like, he has to come in, learn an entirely new system for the first time in two decades. It's drastically different than what he was used to in New England. You look at the Patriots offense versus Bruce Arians offense, which is predicated on big, flashy plays. It's really aggressive. Um, it doesn't play it safe in any like way, shape or form. So you have to get used to your receivers. You have to get used to everything around you the timing of everything. Um, and that wasn't something that obviously he had been used to. So I was like, can that really happen in a year? I was thinking that this 2021 was going to be it. Okay. I was like, okay, 2020, come 2021, let's do it. But like 2020, I'm going to just not really have any expectations. And this team just kept blowing any non-expectation I had out of the water. It was, I had so many moments throughout the entire season where I was like, this is too good to be true. This is too good to be true. This is too good to be true. And it happened. And I mean, right up until making the playoffs for the first time in 13 years, and then realizing you had to run through division winners the rest of the way. And you were going to have to like, you, I will theoretically anyway. And that's what you ended up having to do. You ran through division winners every, and you ran through elite quarterbacks the entire way. So it wasn't easy. Um, especially once you got to the playoffs and, but the good news was these guys had meshed finally after the bye week and they were playing their best football going into the postseason. Yeah. And it, it's really interesting too, that you said it, cause it wasn't like to me from the outside looking in, it looked like there was a ramping up period, but there was, it was never like just flat out horrible where things looked terribly disjointed so you could see the light at the end of the tunnel but right you couldn't, but you, you know what I mean like so I think that oh that gave people hope that were hoping as well that you know things would go well and of course ultimately they did um but it's also very interesting to me and one of the things that I kind of that piqued my interest about Tom Brady switching teams and going down there was that he seems to fit in like for being someone who is like, I mean, he really could be more of a diva. Like if you think about and I'm going to name names, but like people that are have a high stat as high a stature as he does in his sport. He could be the guy that comes in, doesn't want to talk to people, doesn't feel like one of the guys. But I feel like him being essentially the opposite of that, at least from what I observed, was something that really helped his teammates kind of be brought along and buy into whatever it was that he thought that they needed to do to then get to this point because he knows how to get there. I just feel like they were less resistant to anything that would have happened and any sacrifice that needed to be made because of the way that he then wanted to ingratiate him or ingrain himself into the team yeah I don't think enough can be said about the intangible value that he brought in just this belief system because this has been an organization that has been battered down and had some really low years in the you know in recent memory and so these guys it was just a locker room that hadn't experienced winning and really didn't have a blueprint for like the, the most experienced guys on the team you know hadn't seen the playoffs right. so it was like here comes this guy that has been there before and then he's also super approachable. And honestly, what from what I've gathered from the limited amount I've been around him or at least gotten to observe him, um, because I have been able to at least go to practice and kind of like see the dynamic yeah. there. Um, it's He just loves being part of a team. That's why he plays the sport. And so I think it's really funny when people talk about like how he's not a mentor or whatever it is that came with 
the Bucks drafting Kyle Trask, they were like, oh, well, Brady's not going to mentor him because blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's not true. Because like the reason Brady plays this game is because he likes being part of a team. And he talked profusely this year about how much he really loved getting to be kind of a mentor role to a whole new set of guys who just needed a little bit of a push to believe in themselves and to believe in this team. And so, I mean, he doesn't do it for the money either. You look at, he does it to win and he, he does it because he likes being on a team because he's not the highest paid quarterback. He never has been. And he realizes, you know, that that's part of building a good team is maybe sacrificing a little bit on his side. Not that it's much of a sacrifice. You have a supermodel wife. That's, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, you've got all these endorsements too. Like you've got all this crazy right. stuff, but um, he really like, he puts the team first in all aspects. And when you see a guy like that, that has as much pedigree as he does, as much experience, as much, as many championships as he does putting the team first, the whole kind of sentiment to me was like, well, then what excuse do you have? Right. Like, no other guy can be a diva, can claim whatever, when the guy that deserves to maybe be more, a little bit more of a diva isn't doing that. So like, it, and if he's working on fundamentals and if he's running drills and if he's being whatever, what excuse do you have to not do those things? So I think a lot of it was just very simplistic and it was like return to fundamentals, make sure you're doing, you know, the little things right. And that's kind of the example that Tom Brady brought in. And that again, is a little bit more of an intangible thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's no less important than, you know, obviously his abilities on the field to command a game too. Correct. So, you know, it's interesting too, that, you know, the Bucks, even it was weird because you guys faced off with the chiefs in the Super Bowl, and here in Nebraska, there are a ton of chiefs fans. Right. And so like, it's really like, I would say it's the dominant team here. I'm going to think like the bears are up there, but the chiefs because of the proximity and they've been good sure. recently. And I know the chiefs fans will be mad at me for saying they bandwagon, but whatever the Royals <laughs> did the same thing. I'm not going to ever let that go. So but with you guys, though, you have three former Huskers on the team. So if there is another team out of market that makes no sense why people around here follow, it is definitely the Bucks. Like um, <laughs> our, the Nebraska head coach, Scott Frost, we did a story on it at Hale Varsity about how he was, you know, rolling with the Bucks in the Super Bowl because there were three former Huskers. The weight room here at Nebraska is named after Ndamukong Sue. Um, <laughs> we donated to it. Levante David, obviously, who just came back this weekend and graduated. That was really cool. He did. Khalil Davis is also on the team and Levante David I should say because you can't mention his name without also saying that he's the most underappreciated player in the league um, thank you I and it's it's weird because you mentioned this earlier when you said that all of the guys that had experience and that were good that like people just didn't get to see like he's definitely at the top of that list of that was guys. yes he was the one I was most excited for because I was like, oh, my God, maybe finally people are going to realize how good Levante David is. <laughs> like, I've never understood it, though. It's not like you can't like it's not like 1932 where you can't see people that aren't in your area or you can't like go on the Internet and see what's happening. Like, I just never understood that. Um, so for you, like, I guess how do I say this? With you, with those guys specifically on the team, and I guess maybe Sue and David are probably our two bigger personalities, or Sue is the bigger personality of the three. What was it like having Sue come to the team? And then I guess we can go back to the seeing Levante David finally get to get his due um, once you guys won the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, Sue coming to the team again, he he brought that experience for the defense uh, two years ago when he when he signed, and it was like, he had been to the playoffs. He had, he was like, when he had come to the Bucks, he was fresh off a Super Bowl run with the Rams. So he had been to the highest level, hadn't gotten, 
you know, the actual trophy yet. Um, but he still came in with like clout, like you said, uh, the phrase that you used earlier. And he came in with that experience and up front, you know, setting the tone that that, that is so important in this defense, especially. And I really think that um, just his work ethic and the way that he goes about things. I mean, he is so detailed in his preparation and his approach to absolutely everything in his life football, you know, first and foremost at this point. And so, I mean, like he, this, this guy goes to back to Nike headquarters every off season and trains there <laughs> and gets in a lab essentially with, you know, some of these world renowned physical therapists and trainers and all this kind of stuff to keep his body um, going and, and performing at the level that it's been performing at. So he came in and it was, again, just that discipline and, and that leadership up front. Um, he is kind of like a, the more strong silent type though, I will say, but he's like, but again, he's, I think he's also another one that kind of gets a, like, you don't really see his personality as much in the media as, as you would, uh, inside the building. Um, but he, he's been great to be around, great to work with. And I think that this defense has benefited tremendously from having someone like him up front again, just coming in with the experience, but then, you know, he works well with a guy like Levante David who they have the Husker bond uh, already. So I think that helped, but Levante, you know, he's the longest tenured Buccaneer on this team this last year, uh, nine seasons with the team and going into his 10th now, or was it last year his 10th? Anyway, he, uh, they, they worked really well together as far as captaining that defense. Um, and I really was hoping that the spotlight was going to shine on other play- players besides Tom Brady this year. And we saw that with the Bucks getting primetime games. Uh, although they didn't always perform well in those primetime games. Um, but I mean, I just don't know if like people are ever going to really get how good Levante is uh, because I saw it in the Super Bowl. I mean, this man single-handedly shut down a guy that hadn't been able, that nobody had been able to contain in Travis Kelsey. And Levante David is a coverage linebacker. He's not a safety. He's not a corner. And so he's big enough to take on Travis Kelsey, but then Travis Kelsey is, fast and he's elusive and he's agile for especially for his size um and Levante David was able to single-handedly take him on I don't think people realize like Levante was essentially on an island which I was Kelsey in that Super Bowl and you know he was went rendered pretty ineffective and so I really just people but like when people didn't see that and that wasn't talked about as much in the Super Bowl, I was like, oh, people are just never going to give him the credit that he's due, but that's fine. It's a crusade that I'm going to continue to take up. Our uh, our, direct, or our director of football administration, who handles all the contracts and stuff, after we extended Levante, uh, he texted me, you're welcome, because he knows that I would have nothing to talk about if Levante wasn't still on this team. <laughs> nice. That's good. You need to have people in like, your corner. You. There you go. <laughs> right. Uh, and that's true. That, like, it, it is... And him getting to show that segment of his skill set in the Super Bowl, especially against a player like Kelsey, is great because I think that you're right that people just people just weren't exposed to his greatness enough. Um, and it's one of those things because it's weird because I'm in such a weird position because being here, people are absolutely with you, like beating the drumbeat to make sure that people get his, or that he gets his due. Um, and it's really funny though, because if you think about it, like going back and Husker fans will know this going back to when he was here um, for the two years coming out of Juco, like when he, he had to wait to get on the field, like he only got on the field because of an injury and then he could never, he never came off after that. And kind of now the rest is history. Right. Um, and so 
It's just been crazy to see his career and how, how undervalued he is. And now that hopefully he's starting to get that recognition. Um, because now I'm like, I see these things where people are like, well, is he a Hall of Famer? I'm like, how would he not be? Like, well, and people don't realize this too. Like his position, especially, he led the team in defensive snaps last year. Like he played like 98% of the team's defensive snaps. So like, Whereas up front, the defensive line thrives on a rotation. Right. Um, and back end, same thing with depending on what coverage you're, you're running, what package you're in, you're going to get different guys subbing in and out. Levante and Devin White are in the middle of this defense and they are always in the middle of this defense. And so you talk about Levante getting a spot, you know, because of an injury at Nebraska and then never coming off the field. He still has not come off the field, right. essentially. Ten years later, this man is still on the field all the time. And especially for a guy that is 30 and he's been in the league this long, I mean, to have that stamina and have that just reliability in the middle of your defense like that is just, it's so crucial. But again, it's like, you just don't notice it, I guess, because you just take it for granted that he's always there, but he's always there. Right. Right. And I think that, that David and White were so key to that run because we saw something and you've seen, I think, other teams try to emulate this through the offseason. Whereas if you can find and they're very hard to find, if you can find linebackers that can hold up and run support, but can also cover guys, especially cover like the copious amounts of like hybrid tight ends that are now populating the league, then that can really, really boost your defense. If you don't have to take those guys off the field and you have that kind of on lock. Um, and so, okay, enough X's and O's talk. I'm going to shift, shift out of that. Uh, Cause I want to get to the number one thing that I wanted to talk to you about, which is the party boat. So <laughs> yeah. So after, after the Super Bowl, and I'm glad that, first of all, I'm glad that you guys were able to have it because um, those of you listening to the podcast know that I'm a huge Lakers fan. We won the championship last year. We, it was still too soon. Like they were not able to do anything. Um, and so I was happy. I was happy for you. I was following along with the videos and stuff that, that you were posting that I was excited. I need you to give me the best party boat story that is allowed to be on this podcast. Um, Cause that looked amazing. Yeah. There's so many, um, but you're right. The key part is what can be <laughs> allowed publicly to, to talk about. No, um, no, it was just really, it was great because that was the first time we were really able to, I mean, we had an after party after the Super Bowl too and Ludacris performed, Migos performed. Mm -hmm. I was like, what is my life right now? Like what? um and didn't really like that was the first time that we all got to be together and so then two days three days later um we have this boat parade and I can't say enough about people in this building that put that together because initially it was going to be a little bit later in the week they were going to have a little more, bit more time but then they realized the guys were going to start leaving so uh they threw it together in 20 hours which oh, wow. is a lot when you have to get permits and all this and get the boats rented and all that and I had no idea what to expect because the lightning had done it but they'd all been on like smaller boats. Okay. We pull up, first of all, I got a police escort to from the, from the facility to the boats. And I was like, okay. Um, and then we, we show up and there are these big like starship cruise liners. And so they all had like bars and like multiple levels and just, <laughs> it was so much fun. So I was in the defensive boat um, and the story that, I guess it pertains to me, so I feel more comfortable talking about there it. There you go. All right. about, but like there. the best story that so we're cruising down the Hillsborough River, which goes through downtown Tampa, and there's people lining the shorelines from either side. And just like a normal championship parade that goes down the street, like people are all on the side. And 
they're cheering and then some of them will start throwing like beer for the for the you know the players to catch or whatever that so this was no different somehow even though people were way farther away yeah people i'm trying were to picture that making, in my mind yeah people were like making a game of trying to get beer like hands essentially into like for the players to drink and sure enough there were a couple that made it and like i remember antoine winfield jr like snatching one out of the air and just draining it and you're like yeah everybody's like so then it starts happening more well i'm on a boat with dbs and if dbs could catch they'd be receivers right so (laughs) they can't actually catch i'm kidding i wouldn't want them trying to catch these missiles that were straight up coming in so my job on the boat though for a lot of it for the first half anyway was to get content for our social media team because obviously one person our girl jill jill beckman couldn't be on every single boat so i'm getting videos and so i have my phone my head down i'm sending her a video from my phone and all of a sudden i feel something and that comes like a rocket at my leg and it just hits my leg and i was like what the and i look around and i see that a beer can has bounced off my thigh and I look down and I have this red imprint. You could see the tab where the tab hit me that like right on my leg. And so I keel over and I sit down on some sort of like rope or something. I don't know what I was sitting on. The guys just like kind of come descending around me and they're like, oh my God, are you okay? And then all of a sudden someone just like shoves a shot of Henny in my face and like, you need this. And I was like, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> I was just down it. And that was ridiculous but they called it my souvenir uh fun fact though what are we may what is jay may 10th yep um still there you can still see the oh, bruise wow. from this beer <laughs> okay <laughs> me. but then i went inside and actually your uh, husker fans will appreciate this i went inside to ice my leg and our defensive line coach casey rogers uh sees what happens to me and then again the natural reaction was here you need alcohol he pours me a glass of tequila that Indomitian Sue had actually given him okay and I wish I need to ask him what it was because it was the smoothest tequila I'd ever tasted in my life um but Sue had gifted a lot of people uh on the team on the defense with this tequila and so I was like oh okay that'll work yeah yeah, yeah. that that's fantastic um, it, it was I, yeah. it was as you're like yeah a, I still have it was a day full of debauchery, but then we got, we did get to get off the boats and then we got to, um, there was a stage set up and all the guys started saying a lot of stuff on stage, um, to varying degrees of, in varying de- degrees of sobriety and Levante, uh, he was kind of last to go as far as like the speeches went and he just gets up there. He grabs the mic. I think he grabbed it from like Vita and, uh, he gives a shout out to coach Bowles. And so, like, nobody had talked about Coach Bowles at that point. And Levante was like, how are y'all not talking about this man? He goes and points to him, like, in the crowd. And he gave him his props and to, you know, the various cheers of the entire team. So, Levante is always looking out for his guys. Nice. That is very nice of him. And you answered uh, the other question about that that I had. And now I can read between the lines and think that because I wanted to know if you actually had to work the entire time, because if you did, then you would not be able to fully enjoy things. But it sounds like you had a half shift or yeah, half I shift did. through the deal where you I, had to get social media stuff and then you could. Honestly, of- it probably would have gone on longer had I not gotten hit. <laughs> hey, um, listen, you better use that. Like, <laughs> But I was like, you know what? 
I've, I've sent in a bunch of videos already. So we're going to, uh, we're going to take a little load off and we're going to enjoy this. Um, and we're going to use some natural pain remedies. <laughs> I like How much that. it hurts. I'm like, I'm sitting around there limping. I'm like, Oh God. From now on, Henny will be known as a natural pain remedy. Like that's what from now on. Um, if anyone wants to holler about that sponsorship, we can go ahead and do that. <laughs> um, hey, now each week uh, we end the show with a segment, my favorite segment of the week uh, called put them on blast where we basically put someone on blast for something that they did or said, put them on blast. Um, I'm going to go first today. I am going to go with Bob Baffert. Um, if you are unfamiliar with Bob Baffert, he is a horse trainer, very famous horse trainer. Um, if you saw the Kentucky Derby, um, you've seen him before because he's a seven time winner. I think they've won seven times between like 97 and just this past year because his horse Medina spirit um, won just a few weeks ago. The problem is, is that Medina spirit tested positive for performance enhancing drugs. Now, we're talking about a horse. Remember that. Now, Baffert said after they got caught, I guess allegedly, I still have to say juicing. Um, he said this, and I quote, we did not give it to him. The vet, no one has ever treated him with it. This is a gut punch for something I didn't do. It's disturbing. I don't know what's going on in horse racing right now, but something's not right. I don't feel, em I don't feel embarrassed. I feel like I was wrong. We're going to do our own investigation. Now, I will remind you for the second time that we were talking about a horse that didn't horse. just randomly, you know. Right, how does a his, well, horse just gets into PEDs? Right. And so, but again, this is also not the first time that he's been caught doing this. Like, he's been, this trainer has been caught multiple times doing this. Um, the excuses were accepted because they said one of the times they blamed it on the jockey saying that he had taken something and it, like, rubbed off on the horse and all sorts of ridiculousness that has been kind of believed in the past. People are not rolling with him this time now we are technically waiting on the split sample results to kind of double verify what happens um and right now Baffert is suspended if those results come back as positive again then it will be a disqualification for the Kentucky to Kentucky Derby winner which will only actually be the second time in the history of the race that a horse has had to be disqualified for using performance enhancing drugs so for all of that ridiculousness that Bob Baffert has put us through he is going on blast because he absolutely deserves it and I can't believe that someone would try and get away with that like as if the horse just magically wandered to the PED lab and <laughs> got on right. right and got into it and because horses have opposable thumbs I don't know if you know so yeah like I don't know they can know, just break syringe can definitely they can yeah. do their own syringes for yeah, sure. They can rub their own balm on themselves. Like, I guess that, that that can happen too. Um, so, all right. So Carmen, who are you putting on blast? Um, I'm going to bring it back home, at least to me. <laughs> um, and into Tampa because uh, I'm on social media a lot. Yep. And the overwhelming sentiment to whatever I post, whatever the Bucks post uh, has been win a real ring. And I don't really know how much realer it gets when you were, <laughs> when this entire season was so much harder than any other season just because of COVID stuff and the lockdowns and the lack of resources and the, like the amount of things that you had to do without that you normally have in a regular season. Not to mention, like I had stated earlier, uh, going through the playoffs, you had to go through division winners every step of the way. You had to go through Drew Brees. You had to go through Aaron Rodgers to get there. And then you had to go through Patrick Mahomes to win it. So uh, I, I'm, I'm going to call BS on all of those people that are in my mentions, in the Bucks mentions, saying win a real ring. I don't know how it gets realer. 
that's wild that someone would say that that then now and that multiple people enough that would need to be put on blast we have to put twitter clowns on social media on blast um but i would also have like i understand that it happens because um she's been on the show before aaron Sorensen, uh the deputy editor at hale varsity who also has a podcast and mind her own podcast she also handles our social media and so she often talks about this about the crazy things that people say and that social media and people need to understand that there are actual people that read those accounts and are dealing with that stuff like and i just don't and I we just can't say it enough. So every time I have an opportunity to say it, I will say it because I don't think enough fans understand that that is not just going into the ether. Even though that this one, what you're talking about is not necessarily like hurtful per se. It's stupid, yeah. but it's not necessarily hurtful. It's stupid. Worse, but that's it's why I'm putting it on black because it's stupid. And, yeah. Just, yeah. Just, no, we could have an entire longer conversation about the other stuff that happens on social media. But thank, all I have to say is thank God for a quality filter. That's all I have to say. Thank yeah, God. that has that actually saves me. And I don't get like even like as a not a team account. Um, and I don't feel like I have that many followers. I think I'm at like nine thousand or something like that. So it's not that many. Um, right. But that quality filter saves me because every once in a while, someone will get tagged in on something that someone right. says That's crazy. The only time I see it. It to, yeah, and then they get bring it to my attention. And I was like, dude, I totally didn't see that. So who knows how much stuff that quality filter is saving me. I know. That's what um, I say. Jesus be a quality filter. That's all. Yeah. I <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> uh, I think we just found a um title for the show um, that, that will do it uh for this week uh subscribe to the podcast everywhere you can listen to them rate us review us leave us a five-star review if you leave four i'm inclined to think you're a hater and no one wants that uh make sure you are checking out the other podcasts on the hill varsity network the mind your own podcast the varsity club nebraska preps post game show and the Hill varsity radio show also check out the hill varsity youtube page i'll be back on there later doing our recruiting video of the week um, you can also get us on Twitter in a nice way at Greg Smith HB and <laughs> at Carmy V. Uh, you can also see Carmen on Instagram, uh, Carmen on Coffee with Carmen and Casey on Instagram. We also have an email that you can email us your questions to at straightupbreakdownofhillvarsity.com. Carmen, thank you so much for being on. Thanks, Greg. No problem. I will catch you guys next week. A Huda Media Production.